0: There is unity in the church And so you meet Christians I don't care from what country, what culture, what background And we have that bond of unity And we often recognize it almost immediately You've had the experience, no doubt Of meeting someone from a real diverse background And, and uh, yet you've sensed that unity And also, even when you have similar backgrounds You live next door to each other You're in the same congregation You have a variety of gifts You know, we're just so different And yet there's that unity, and we need each other. Unity, diversity, mutuality. Now every Christian is gifted
1: at the point of conversion. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, One Body, Many Members. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: When a person comes to Jesus Christ, when a man, a woman, a a boy, or a girl, any age, any background, when they realize their need for Jesus Christ and put their faith in Him alone, that's what a Christian is, by the way, if you're here and you're wondering why when you become a Christian, you become a part of the body of of Christ a part of the church and i'm not talking about a building or even a set of buildings you know a denomination or an organization of people i'm talking about the universal church Universal, I use the term not to mean that everybody's in the church, obviously not. In fact, Jesus said, few are those who find the way of life. Many are those on the broad way that leads to destruction. But the universal church, that great multitude of people throughout the ages since Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit came and began calling people out, Until today, and in fact until the Lord gets back, that great universal body of believers who know Jesus Christ, we're all part of the church. And the Bible uses quite a few analogies of the church. Uh, It's called a flock, and he's the shepherd, Jesus. It's called a building, and he, Jesus Christ, is the foundation that no one can lay other than him. It's called uh, a variety of things, uh, and always the connection to Jesus Christ is clear because it's so important to see just that. I mean, if we're the bride, He's the bridegroom. If we're the flock, He's the shepherd. If we're a building, He's the foundation. And if we're His body and we are, He is the head. And you'll find that truth, really, in Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, and Colossians. Each time the Apostle Paul used that analogy... He was very clear. And Romans and Corinthians particularly draw out the the uh, analogous situation between the human body and the various parts of the body. And Ephesians and Colossians give more the, the doctrine, the teaching behind it for the church. And in Ephesians, the church is the body of Christ. And in Colossians, Christ is the head of the church, head of the body. And it's a rich study just to... Uh, to trace that through. But we want to look at Romans 12 today because uh, Paul uses this analogy to teach the Christian life. I mean, our lives are not to be lived in a vacuum. They're to be lived in connection with other believers as part of the body and connected to the head uh, Jesus Christ, let me pick it up at verse three. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members. One of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. Now he says, first of all, verse three, don't think too highly of yourself. Uh, That's his first thought as he begins expounding, you might say, explaining Christian living. Uh, He gave the great general statement, verses 1 and 2, give yourself over to Christ. He paid for you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Present yourself to Him. Now, don't think too highly of yourself. Remember the physical human body, verse 4, just as we have many members in one body, and all the members don't have the same function. I mean, we're not just one big hand. The body, and Paul even draws this out in Corinthians 12, is not one big eyeball. And if you're an ear, don't wish you were an eye, you know. And he, he, he actually kind of draws it out and, and to get our attention. Uh, feet are just as necessary as hands, you know, and every part is for a reason. And so he gives the human analogy in verse four, and then he says, So, so too, the body of Christ. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. There is a unity. The body is one, and yet there's a diversity. There's all these different parts that make up the body. And, of course, there's also a mutuality. We need one another. And these three thoughts are really what Paul is getting at here and elsewhere when he draws this analogy, and it's a consistent teaching of the Scripture. There is unity in the church, and so you meet Christians... I don't care from what country, what culture, what background, and we have that bond of unity. And we often recognize it almost immediately. You've had the experience, no doubt, of meeting someone from a real diverse background, and, and uh, yet you've sensed that unity. And also, even when you have similar backgrounds, you live next door to each other, you're in the same congregation, you have variety of gifts. You know, we're just so different, and yet there's that unity. And we need each other unity, diversity mutuality now every Christian is gifted at the point of conversion the Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual gift the moment you become a Christian now a spiritual gift is an ability or a talent to serve Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit Uh, and every Christian is so gifted the gifts aren't clearly defined we saw last time and so we ought to be careful to not delineate right down to the you know every detail rather I think a a helpful analogy is to think in terms of colors and the basic color spectrum and then the various hues and it's not that each one only has one gift Uh, there are those who have this gift colored by this gift and this gift and you see That they are unique. Every Christian is unique in the body of Christ. But there are these gifts that the Holy Spirit has given. In fact, turn over to uh 1 Peter. Peter comments on this, and it's helpful, I think, to see his comment. First Peter 4, it's a great, succinct summary statement, and I think it's a good introduction to this subject, so that we'll have our biblical bearings, you might say, as we uh look at what Romans 12 is saying. First Peter four verse 10. "...as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies." And he doesn't go into the various distinct gifts here. He just says, basically, there's two categories. There's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. And he says, as each one has received a gift, use it for God's glory. If you're speaking, speak as it were the Word of God. If you're serving, serve as it were by the strength of God. So that, look at the end of verse 11, so that in all things... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever amen you want to know the purpose of spiritual gifts and the purpose of the Christian life and the purpose of employing your spiritual gift so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ you know when you get up in the morning that'd be a great place to begin your prayer for the day Lord I mean I think it's natural when you get up to just praise him but if you have a request, that's a good one. Lord, may my life be such that you are glorified through it in everything I do today. Because to you belongs a glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And that'll put you in right perspective. And I'll tell you, that's a very practical thing to do when you begin your day. And uh, throughout the day, remember, that's what we're here for. So, uh, you know... Uh, well, I, I, I was going to resist the temptation, but why resist, you know? Verse 10, I want to just comment on it very briefly, and then you'll see how it relates to chapter 12. As each one has received a special gift, every Christian. There's not some that are gifted and some that aren't. No. The, by the way, charisma, the word for gift, grace gift, it's not that there are some who are charismatic and are some who are not. No, every Christian is gifted as each one has received a special gift employ it, use it serve, speak use your gift in serving God and His people, the body of Christ in serving one another these gifts aren't given for you to just enjoy just put it under back under the Christmas tree you know, you've unwrapped it now you're just going to sit and look at it no, this is given to you to use employ it in serving one another as a good steward it's not really yours anyway It's a gift. And so we're to be a good manager of the multifaceted. See the last phrase there in verse 10? The multifaceted. That's what that word manifold means. The wide variety of gifts that God has given. Now, if you're speaking, we already talked about verse 11. Speak the word of God. If you're serving, serve by His strength to His glory. Now, look back at chapter 12 of Romans with that kind of as a framework and watch how consistent the scripture is he says basically since we have gifts that differ verse 6 according to the grace given to us let each exercise them accordingly you've got gifts that differ exercise them accordingly I said last time there is one command and really only one responsibility to every Christian that's to put yourself on the altar Put yourself at His disposal. That's verse 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be like people that don't know God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you will prove out in your life what God's perfect and good and well-pleasing will is. But in our individual lives, that will prove out in various and multifaceted ways. Since we have gifts that differ, he says, let each, you know... Exercise his gift accordingly, according to the grace gift that God has given you. Now, he starts, verse 6, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Now, I mentioned that these gifts are not strongly and, you know, thoroughly defined. So we want to beware of that extreme, and yet they are given in Corinthians 12. There's a couple of lists, and here in Romans 12, and... uh, they're mentioned enough that we ought to look at them and think about it because the Bible has a wealth of, you know, uh, teaching for us to learn how we can better serve him. And he mentions first of all here, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Now, prophecy, we think immediately, at least I do, of foretelling, you know. Uh, every New Year's when the The uh, magazines at the grocery stand, you know, come out with the prophecies for the next year. It's guessing that people do in the name of prophecy as to what will happen. And that's the way the world thinks of it. That's the way Christians think. But foretelling is really just a small part of the gift of prophecy or the way the Bible uses the term prophet. And really, the broader and more accurate description is to think not in terms of foretelling, but forthtelling God's mind. Forthtelling God's word. A spokesman for God. That's how the Old Testament used the term prophet. Now, we'll come to how the New Testament uses it in just a minute, but I want to kind of lay the biblical background. The prophet of old spoke for God. Abraham was called a prophet. Moses was called a prophet. In Deuteronomy 18, in fact, that great prophecy that uh, God's going to raise up for you, Israel, a prophet like me. And in Acts, Peter said, God did. He's Jesus. Just as Israel had its great leader, Moses, who spoke for God, and he predicted, Peter said, and he quoted, I think it's in the uh, end of the fourth chapter of Acts, he said, or third chapter of Acts, he said, uh, just like Moses said, God will raise up a prophet like me, he did, his servant Jesus, the prophet, the leader. And uh, it's interesting to realize that even Aaron was called, in fact, glance back there, Exodus 7, look back at Exodus 7 for just a minute. You remember, uh, Moses, you know, was about 80, and Aaron, his brother, was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. And the Lord said to Moses, chapter 7, verse 1, See, I make you as God to Pharaoh. Moses stood before the world, represented by Pharaoh, and said, God said to Moses, I'm going to make you as God. You're going to represent me. It's as if Moses is bringing Pharaoh face-to-face with God. And I can't help but say, Christian, you and I are called to be ambassadors for Christ. And we're going to see as Paul develops this thought that Christ's hands, Christ's eyes, Christ's ears, his feet, we're it, the body of Christ here. And so when people are confronted with the gospel through his church, they're confronted with Christ himself. When Paul, uh, before he became a Christian, he was out persecuting who? Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because he was persecuting Christians. We are as God. I mean, thats I wouldn't say it except the Scripture says it. It's a sobering and exciting thought. Anyway, he says, I'm going to make you as God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. That's interesting, isn't it? And I bring it up because it's such a good illustration. You remember the background of this? God said, I'm going to deliver my people in chapter 3, and I'm going to use you, Moses. And Moses said, Me? I can't talk. I, uh, I've never been eloquent. Uh, who put words, who, who gave your mouth to begin with, Moses? Well, yeah, but I still, I, I can't. And you remember the Lord's anger burned, and he said, Okay, okay, I'll use Aaron. He'll be your mouthpiece. You can tell Aaron what to say, and he'll say it. And that's exactly the way they operated. And he says, You're going to stand before Pharaoh as God, and Aaron shall be your prophet. Now you get the idea of what a prophet is. He's a spokesman for another. Turn over to Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Uh, All the prophets, you could read this. This is Jeremiah, a clear statement of his call, but this would be true of all the Old Testament prophets really. Verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, well, let me read verse 4, because the prophets were constantly saying this sort of thing, and it helps us see, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah didn't say, you know, the other day I was thinking, (laughs) he said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, quotation mark, I mean, you know, you get the drift, he's saying, here's what God says. Before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Well, and this is, you'll see a pattern here too, by the way. Uh, Jeremiah was kind of like Moses. They were not these guys that were eager to be God's spokesman. I'll tell you what God's saying, and there's a lot of people that have a proneness to just quickly speak for God. Moses certainly didn't. He Even to a fault, he turned the other way and said, I'm not adequate for this. Jeremiah said, Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak. I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, Don't say, I'm a youth. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Don't you look at your own resources, Jeremiah. Don't say, Oh, I'm so ineloquent or I'm so young or I'm so unable. Everywhere I send you, you will go. All that I command you, you shall speak. Now you get the idea of what a prophet is. Do not be afraid of them. And Jeremiah, I'm sure, just like Moses, going to go in to Pharaoh? Just going to bust right in on the dictator and tell him what God says? He said, don't be afraid of them, Jeremiah, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And this is Passage, of course, has been a great comfort to many, many of God's people and God's spokesmen throughout the years. And it encourages me when I'm called upon to teach the Word of God and to proclaim the Word of God. He's going to be with us. We don't have to fear. Then the Lord stretched out His hand. Look at verse 9. And touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I've called you to be a prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. I have put my words in your mouth. Now, spokesman for God. The New Testament uses the term in a similar way. Prophet is used in connection always, it seems to me, but usually, certainly, and I think I could say always, but it's always used in connection with the apostles. We're told of the apostles and prophets in the New Testament. And by the way, it's always in that order. The apostles and prophets. And turn over to Ephesians, and let me show you that. Ephesians 3, verse 5. starting at verse 4. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men. But now, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets... In the Spirit. In chapter 4, verse 11, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. In chapter 2, verse 20, right here above your uh, chapter 3, verse 5, he says, verse 19, You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. So the prophets in the New Testament, were the term was used in a similar way to the Old Testament, and they were similar, but they were also dissimilar in this sense, that when you come to the New Testament, the prophets, we were to discern in their thinking, and their utterances were to be scrutinized and discerned, judged between according to the apostolic writing. And I think that's a hint that the apostles are really the direct line descendant, you might say, of the Old Testament prophets, those who had God's Word put in their mouth. The apostles are the ones that Jesus looked at and said, Listen, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And they were conscious of this. They went out, those 12 men, and they spoke For God. And Paul could say in Corinthians 14, verse 37 If anybody thinks he's a prophet, let him understand this that the things that I have written to you are the commandment of the Lord. If you think you're a prophet and you're going to disagree with Paul's writing, understand this, Paul said. I'm an apostle. And the things I've written to you are the Lord's commandment. So, when you come to the New Testament, the prophet is used in connection with the apostles. But the apostles were to, or the prophets were told we we're to discern between. And when we when they spoke for God, their speaking was in subjection to the apostolic writing. Over in First John, uh, let me give it. In fact, turn there. I think it's well worth looking at. Because somebody says, "Well, how would you discern? Uh, Where to discern between a, uh, whether the prophet is speaking for God or not?" And so he says in verse one, "Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world." So he gives instruction to not just believe every prophet that says, "Here I'm speaking for God." Test them to see.
1: been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, One Body, Many Members, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce the Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times, and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There will be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's AbideInTheWord.net. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8:30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on live stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: We're to proclaim Him when we speak. We're to speak the utterances of God. We are to live out His life as the body of Christ. And Christ will speak in and through His people. He'll serve in and through His people. And hence, Paul says, listen, we're the body of Christ. So don't in any way think that God is now on the sidelines not saying anything. Oh, no, God has spoken in His Son, Jesus Christ. And the great need of the 21st century, the great need of those people in your classroom or your office partner is Jesus Christ. They need to see Him. They need to see Him in all His majesty. We need to expound Him from Scripture. We need to expound Him, so to speak, through the life of the church. They need to see Jesus Christ as He
1: is in and through the body of Christ, His people. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott will conclude the four-part message titled, One Body, Many Members. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.